This is a sermon from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. To learn more about New City or to hear more sermons in this series, visit newcitycincy.org. I am in the unenviable position of following the kids singing. It's a hard act to follow. Well, we've been going through the Christmas songs at the beginning of Luke. And for some of you, our passage today is probably the most familiar Christmas story and Christmas hymn from the Gospel of Luke. One, because the kids just finished singing in the story in um, Angel, we have her on high, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. But also, you may be familiar with this story because of this is the high point of the classic, a Charlie Brown Christmas. And if you're not familiar with this story, let me read this from the beginning of our passage. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. You can find it on page 857 of the Bibles in your pew. Chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And I don't have my trusty blanket with me, so you just have to imagine me talking like Linus, okay? Lights, please. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's what Chris is all about, Charlie Brown. Now for those of you familiar with this cartoon, A Charlie Brown Christmas, it's about Charlie Brown and his friends preparing for their school's Christmas play. And in the Christmas clay, there are many important roles, Mary and Joseph, the angel, and maybe the wise men, and usually the people playing the shepherds are the extras. It's reserved those kids who get any of those other important roles. The kid may actually even complain about it in the cartoon. Every Christmas, the same. I always end up playing the shepherd. It's a role for the extras, and probably just a little bit better than being the animals. That's not too far from the truth in ancient Israel as well. The shepherds were outcasts and looked down upon in society just a little bit better than the animals. And just out of curiosity, how many of you played the shepherds in a Christmas play when you were young? All right, a few of you. Well, my goal is pretty simple today. I want to convince you that everyone should want to play the part of the shepherd. Because it's the shepherd that the good news was first proclaimed. And the shepherds are the first to receive the good news. And they're the first to sing the good news. So first, the good news proclaimed to the shepherds. Now maybe some of you can relate to this since this is a church bursting with babies at the seams. Now we just had a newborn newborn announcement yesterday. And, you know, congratulations to the walkers. But how do you announce the birth of your child? Now, some of you probably had the announcement well thought out weeks ahead. You know exactly what platform to use and what to say. Now, imagine if you are, you are about to announce the birth of God's son. 
the incarnation of God in this world, and with all the social media, news outlets, and broadcasting options at your disposal, you could announce it to anybody, anywhere in the world throughout history. What would you choose? But here's what God did. He went to a remote countryside in the Middle East and told the news to a group of shepherds. That's the first birth announcement of Jesus. And God announced it to the shepherds. The shepherds were not the most important people by any means. Not the type of people you want to announce the most important event in history. And here's what Phil Riken said about shepherds. Because they lived out in the fields, they were unable to keep the ceremonial law, and thus they were treated as unclean. They were also regarded as liars and thieves, probably because the sheep's mixed together and they had to fight over which one belongs to whom. So which is why their testimony was inadmissible in a court court of law. Shepherds were despised. With the exception of lepers, they were the lowest class of men in Israel. But God seems to have a special place in his heart for shepherds. the The two most important figures in the Old Testament were shepherds, Moses and David. The God is compared to the shepherd in Psalm 23. Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And shepherds were the first group of people God chose to reveal this good news. God loves the humble and the lowly. And this evening, while everyone was still, was, everyone was probably asleep, the shepherds were still out in the field working. An angel appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel had to assure them, fear not. Now notice the angel had to say the same thing to Zechariah and to Mary, whether it was a priest in the temple or an unmarried young maid or a group of shepherds. The angel had to tell them, don't be afraid, fear not. Why were they so afraid? Because they get it. If you lived in the Old Testament world like these shepherds, you, you hear the angel of the Lord and you hear about the glory of the Lord, you could only have one reaction. And that was, oh no. Oh no. Because no human being could come into contact with the glory of God in the Old Testament and still live. God is too holy for any of us. There's an inherent animosity between a holy God and sinful human beings. These two things cannot coexist. That's why God always had to be shielded from his people, even Moses had to hide when God's glory passes by. The shepherds get it way more than any of us in the modern world would ever get us. You may think that we're mostly good and we're kind of spiritual, and if God shows up, he would just be friendly and we could just say, you know, what's up? How are you doing? But that's not true according to the Bible. The shepherds show us what our real reactions would be. But their fear also shows the meaning of Christmas. If God is just cool with everybody and doesn't care about our sins, then there's no need for Christmas, no need for incarnation, no need for the cross, no need for the good news. And that's why the shepherd's fear is met with such tremendous news. And every word from the angel's announcements packed with meanings. So let me unpack it a little bit. The angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Literally, the angel was saying, Behold, I'm gospeling you. News of great joy. And the word gospel is not a Christian term. It's actually a word the angels and Christians borrow from the Roman world. 
He's an example of how the world gospel was used in ancient time. Since providence, which, was, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our lives, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue and he might benefit mankind, sending him as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors, not even leaving to posterity, posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of the good tidings, gospel, for the world that came by reason by, of him, blah, 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 blah. That's how the word gospel was typically used in the Roman Empire to describe, to celebrate the birth or the coronation of a new emperor. Of course, the name Caesar Augustus was mentioned at the top of this chapter. He is, a, he is supposed to be a savior. But under his reign in a remote village in Bethlehem, another king is born. And you may notice some similarity between Augustus' birthday celebration and Jesus' birthday announcement. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There's another Savior, another Lord. There's a competing gospel to Rome, a competing, complaint to pow- com- competing claim to power. Now, there's a lot of debate about how political Christians should get. But in a sense, the Christian faith is always political in its core, not so much between Democrats or Republicans, but between God and men. Where's your true allegiance? Who is your true savior? Who, where's your citizenship? Is your allegiance to the king in the palace or in the White House? Or is your allegiance to the king in the manger on the cross? And the angel said, this is good news of great joy to all the people. All the people here may sound like people from all over the world, but he actually specifically means, refers to the people of Israel, the people of God, and invokes the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse 9. Go up, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. The angel's announcement is the fulfillment of years and years of waiting. There's deliverance, a savior in Israel. It's also personal to the shepherds because the angel says, For unto you is born this day. Now, if you're living in the Old Testament world or if you just been to church during Christmas time, what do these words remind you of? You probably think of Isaiah again, right? Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. The Christ is born as a fulfillment to years and years of waiting, and Christ is born for you. And we don't say that about any other babies. I just said the walkers just had a baby girl. I'm sure she has already brought a lot of joy to her family and to this church, but she's not born for you. And if someday she becomes president of the United States, she's still not born for you. But Christ is born for you. Now there's some disregard to individual circumstances 
individual needs. Christ is born for you. That itself is good news regardless of whatever darkness you're going through. You know, there were many hard Decembers in our families in the last five years. You know, first, my wife and I were struggling with infertility, and all the talks about newborns and miracle birth in December were especially hard. And shortly before our first son was born, my dad was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. And he passed away a year later, and December still feels quite empty to us because my mom's birthday is the day after Christmas. Now, last year, I wasn't here for any of this because my wife, Abigail, was going through chemo for ovarian cancer. Of course, these things are sad, but they're sad in different ways. And we get through one crisis only to have another. And there seem to be no magical answers for all of these things. There's nothing that could solve all these problems. But every December, we receive the same reminder. Christ is born unto us, regardless of what crisis we are in. Christ is the Savior. He is He's the only one that could fully lift the darkness of our world. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That is good news. But can we receive it? Now, many of us would no doubt welcome a Savior, but would you receive Christ the Lord? Because we cannot have one without the other. Now, many of you know the word Christ is not a last name. It's a Greek word for the title Messiah, the anointed one. Now, many people were anointed in the Old Testament, prophets, priests, kings. But everyone in the Old Testament knew that there would be the anointed one, the Messiah, the true prophet, priest, and king. And he will be the savior of all the people. And he is not just Christ, but Christ the Lord. The Lord is another Old Testament name for God. This Messiah will be God himself. If you really want to understand what Christ the Lord truly looks like, look at Psalm number 2. It says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, against the Lord and the Christ. How does God respond? He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I will set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begun you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. That's who Christ the Lord is supposed to look like. He has authority to crush all the nations. He has authority over your lives. Christ has power over you. Would you welcome such authority figure in your life? Maybe not. Because there will be no freedom. But listen, if you want, you may not, if you, you may want to reject a God who has authority over you. But that means you will also reject a Savior who can save you from darkness. You may not want a Savior who has this type of power over you, but you actually need a Savior who has this type of power. Otherwise, how can he defeat the darkness of the world? How will he bring hope to the nations? 
And here's the good news. God did not use this power against you. Not yet, at least. And how do we know? The angel says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. Now, there may be many babies wrapped in swaddling cloths in Bethlehem that night, but there was only probably one baby lying in a manger. And that baby was Christ the Lord. What an odd contradiction. No kings are not supposed to be born in a manger. Important birth announcements are not supposed to be proclaimed to the shepherds. But here we are. The Christ of Psalm 2 is lying in a manger, and the shepherds received good news. And to this, the whole host of angels appeared and sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's a new type of glory the angels have not seen before. What God would, that God would descend from heaven into a humanly realm, and not just to a palace, but to a manger. What a distance. What heights of love, what depth of peace. The prophets talk about this salvation for centuries, and the angels long to see this mystery, and that's what it looks like. Why? To bring you peace, to bring peace to God's people with whom he is pleased. If God comes in his full glory and holiness, like in Psalm 2, we'll be smoked. So God came as a baby in a manger, become accessible. He is saved to us. You can't approach Joe Biden without being tackled. But you can approach Jesus. Even stinky shepherds could just go see him. And that tells you what kind of peace that God brings. And that's probably the most common greetings on Christmas cards. And then peace on earth, right? But what is this peace? What kind of peace do you seek in Jesus? You know, many people expect him to bring world peace, to end all wars. Or many people expect him to give them political peace, to help them triumph over their enemies. Many people expect him to give them intellectual or emotional peace, to give them enlightenment and comfort. If that describes you, how is your joy level this Christmas? Are you happy with what you got? There was a time in Jesus' life when he entered Jerusalem as a king, riding on a donkey on Palm Sunday. And the people shouted, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. That's what the angels said in the beginning. They thought they were getting the political and military peace that they were waiting for. But when they realized Jesus was not the type of savior that they needed, they shouted, away with him, crucify him. What kind of peace do you seek in Jesus? If it's just emotional or political or real peace that you're looking for, sooner or later you will also join a crowd and saying, crucify him. But what you're really looking for, because what you're looking for is a savior that goes from the manger to the palace, to the White House, or to the universities. But Jesus is the Savior who goes from the manger to the cross. This type of Savior will bring you no joy unless you're like the shepherds. You recognize that you need peace with God who created you, and you recognize that you could not lift a finger to make things right with God on your own. Then Jesus is the Savior that you need. He came to die for your sins so that you can have peace with God. 
Do you recognize that you need this type of peace in your life? Do you recognize that you need a Savior that goes from a manger to the cross? The good news is proclaimed to us, but it takes a particularly hard, particularly hard to receive this good news, not for the proud, not for the self-righteous, not for the high and important, but it's for the lowly, like the shepherds, the extras in the world, the people that feel powerless and hopeless against the darkness of the world, against the darkness and their own sins. And that's why this news was proclaimed to the shepherds first, because it's for people like them. Jesus understands what it's like to be lowly. Jesus died for the lowly. There's great joy in this season, not because it adds to our delight, to all the festivities of the season, but because it comes to our darkness. If the angel comes to you today with this good news, would, you, would it bring you great joy? You know, it's holiday season, which means my Netflix is filled with Christmas rom-com recommendations. And here's one thing I notice about romantic comedies. They really just tell one story, right? Actually, both the Chinese and American rom-coms. Someone spends two hours chasing after the wrong girl or guy, only to realize in the last 15 minutes that the love of their life they're looking for is right in front of them in a different person. That's it. Now, I would gladly take any other recommendations, but that's a story time, the storyline of many romantic comedies. Do you know why that's such a popular storyline? Because that's our human story. We spend so much of our lives looking for the wrong kind of peace, only to realize the peace with God is what we truly need. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you're not able to receive this type of peace yet, then there's one more thing we can learn from the shepherds. And after hearing the angel's message, the shepherds didn't know what to do either. But they didn't ignore it. They went to Bethlehem and see. And that's the invitation that's extended to everyone. Come and see. Come to Bethlehem and see. Him whose birth, the angels sing, come adore on bended knees. Christ the Lord, the newborn king, come and see what Jesus has done for you what his life is like, what kind of peace he brings to your life. Come worship at our church. Join a small group here. And I pray that as we recognize that Jesus is the Savior that we all need all along, we can join with the shepherds. In this story, verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as they had been told them. Now first the angel glorified God now the shepherds joined them. First they heard the good news, now they became reporters of the good news. If you continue to read in the Gospel of Luke, you'll see that many people also went away glorifying God after they encountered Jesus. You know, there were the shepherds here. Also a man who was slain. Families of a widow who just lost her son. A woman who was handicapped. A leper. A blind man. Roman centurion. All of them were outcasts in society. But they're transformed by Jesus. They joined the angel song. At the end of every year, Spotify compiles all my data and publishes my favorite songs and artists of the year. Some of you know what I'm talking about because I saw your post on Instagram. 
And I realize these lists can say quite a bit about who we are. They show what kind of emotions dominate our year, what music we spend, we depend on the most, what's in our heart, even who are in our family. Now, for example, this is our list. C-pop stands for Canto Pop. You can see that I'm Chinese and we have little kids. Now, what if today, after your encounter with Jesus, you join the shepherds in the angel's song? Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. And what this becomes the song of all songs, the song of your hearts for the rest of your life. What will that say about you? So let's pray, and let me invite Brian and the music team to lead us in singing this song again. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the peace that you brought us through Jesus. A peace so different from the peace that we thought we need. A peace that is so transformative, yet so hidden. And we pray that you will open our eyes to see that we need this peace. To open our eyes to know that we need you, Lord. That we need peace with you. And this peace will be the foundation, the rock of our hearts. That will help us sing with great joy what the angel has sang. Help us to see the mystery that the angels long to see. And let us glorify you with our songs. We pray all these in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from New City, a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Visit our website at newcitycincy.org for more sermons and resources. That's newcitycincy.org. Thanks for joining us today, and God bless you.